the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at Nissan.ie. Very welcome back to the Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cudahy with you until seven o'clock this evening, and fortuitous timing this week because I'm delighted to say Des Smith is my guest for the Thursday interview. Des, of course, former professional golfer and former Ryder Cup vice captain. Des, you're very welcome to the show. It's great to talk to you. Are you looking forward to this year's tournament? Yes, it, I, it's always an exciting time to build up to the Ryder Cup. But yeah, my my plan is to get into my seat on uh, Friday afternoon, Kieran, and I will uh, arise from that seat on Sunday evening, hopefully with a big smile on my face. How do you suspect it's going to go? Well, I have to be honest. I I hate saying this. I think the Americans are hot favourites. Um, uh, and the reason being, they've a very strong team of bombers. I, I've looked down the, the 12 names. I can't see one short hitter. That's an advantage. Uh, also, and more crucially, I think they're all in form. They've been, they've been playing lots of great golf lately. And they're a new look, young uh, USA side. So for those reasons, I think they have, they're justifiably strong favourites. There's always this narrative around the Ryder Cup, isn't there? And I'd be interested to hear your view as a former vice captain, as a former player as well in it, that, you know, the Europeans come together much better as the team, that, you know, the, the US are, they're all individuals. Like, I, I wonder how, how much of that is actually true, how much of it is a, just a media invention so that, that there is a narrative. Uh, no, I think, I think in years gone by, there was a bit of that. Egos got in the way. Um, but I think that's all changed. Um uh, they've been watching how the Europeans have been performing as a team. Uh, some of our so-called, and, and there's, there's no such thing as a weak player on a Ryder Cup team. It takes such an effort to get on in the first place. But the perceived weaker players, they think, you know, they have an edge on them. But um, And they want to know why the Europeans seem to be able to get the best out of their, say, weaker players. I, I just think they had an ego problem in America. You know, it's a big country. Um and these guys play on their own for two years and then they're they're in a team event and it's hard to leave it outside the door. But I think they've changed. I think their captains have been vice captains for a few years. They've seen from the outside, watching closely. They've learned from the Europeans. And I don't have that problem with America now. I think they're all... And listening to some of the interviews in the last few days, they're all saying the same thing. They're all saying, listen, if I don't score a point, once the team wins... That's all that matters. So I think they've got the message through to the players. Um, are, are there certain players like beyond the Irish players that you'd be looking out for that you have a, a particular fondness for, I wonder, on that European team? Well, look, uh, I, I don't know them as well as I used to because you can't stop the clock, Kieran. That's the problem <laughs> with me now. <laughs> I've lost track a little bit. But, you know, the American side's younger and they're fired up. Uh, we've a number of guys in the 40s. My only concern, and that's not a worry, the age factor means nothing in this. Um, but of recent times, you, you know, um, Poulter hasn't been on top of his game. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick's been struggling a bit. Tyrrell Hatton's been struggling a bit. And Lee West was... Now, for that reason, I'm worried. If, if on the other hand, it was the Lee Westwood that was playing early in the season, I'd say that's fantastic. He'll beat anybody. So... That's my only concern. We've two, three players that 
are not on form at the moment. And, you know, if you want to win points in the Ryder Cup, you've got to play your best golf. Does it bring back when the Ryder Cup is on? It, mu- it must bring back memories for you. Ah, yeah, nothing but happy memories. I mean, as a player, uh, the players are going to be in the bubble. They're going to be in the competitive bubble and they'll hardly know what's going on. You know, they'll be listening to their captain's advice. They'll be hanging out with the vice captains. Uh, there won't be family members this year or friends for obvious reasons. So they'll depend on these guys and they'll protect them from media as best they can because and crowds as best they can because that's a distraction, you know. Now, they have to do media, of course. Uh, it's part of it. But they'll try and get them back into the bubble keep their minds on the job and when they go out onto the first tee they'll be razzmatazz but they'll hardly hear it you know because they know what they have to do they're spending three days practice building up trying to get the game as perfect as they can get it and then they just let it go and uh, the great thing about the Ryder Cup is you only have to beat the guy opposite you it's not as if you're in a field of 156 players (laughs) Uh, you know you only have to beat the guys in front of you so you're watching them for any weaknesses, for any flickers, for any shakes in the hand. And, uh, you know, it's a bit combative while it's happening. Uh, but they'll all be friends, I hope, hopefully, at the end of the week. Yeah, it's, it's, it's changed as well, I suspect. I mean, in terms of the circus around it, it's changed a lot since you were playing. It has, but, you know, it still means the same. I remember when I played and I put my ball on the tee for the first time in a Ryder Cup, I could barely keep my hands from shaking. I remember saying this to Darren Clark one time before he played. He said, you're in for a great experience. And he said, ah, well, sure, I'm used to playing tournament golf. No, I said, this isn't like any other tournament golf. I said, (laughs) the nerves are going to come into play, especially early on. And uh, when you're playing crucial matches, you know, the tension really builds up. And he subsequently came back and said I was right. But listen, that happens to everybody. It happens to Tiger Woods as well. Uh, I was on the first team in the K-Club all those years ago. And Tiger stood up in the first and hit it in the middle of the lake. So don't tell me that wasn't nerves. And do you, what do you think that's, what is that down to? Is it because, I suppose, uh, professional golfers, they would have played a lot of team golf growing up, but maybe less so once they yeah. became professional. And that, you know, suddenly, I suppose, maybe for you, is there just a fear of, of letting down the team as opposed to just letting down yourself if you're playing in, a, in, a, in kind of your standard tournament? Yeah, there's a combination of all that. Uh, And you just are trying so hard uh, for your captain as well, because you know he's invested in this for two years. Every player on tour, whether it's the PGA Tour in America or the European Tour here, you know, every player, when it comes to Ryder Cup here, they're dying to be on that team because it's it's a, a way of getting together with your with your competitors that you you hardly ever pat in the back for two years and all of a sudden it's hugs and kisses you know for um, when you're part of the team and you're 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 rooting for your partners and your fellow uh, team members so there's that and then there's the country aspect you're representing in the american side you're representing the usa and you'll hear the chants going out all week and of course, back in Europe, you know, the guys playing for Ireland, our boys are representing Ireland and Europe. The others are representing their countries and Europe. So it means an awful lot to them. Was it something that, like, when I was going to say growing up, but when, when, when golf 
came on your radar in a serious way when you realised, listen, this is a way I could possibly make a living. Was the Ryder Cup a big ambition or was it just about, you know, winning tournaments? Was it just about, you know, getting enough money every month so you could pay a mortgage? What was the ambition? Well, that's the start, you know. Any, anybody who starts into the game, that's what they want to do, make enough money to, you know, to do what you have to do. But no, for me, because money wasn't an issue when we started, nobody had any, so it didn't make much difference. Um, no, for me, the Ryder Cup was always a major goal. I remember saying it to friends of mine when I was younger, starting out, and they were laughing at me, saying, Des, it'll never happen. You're just not good enough, you know. So you got to prove them wrong, you know. And you look at, say, Shane Larry, who's won an Open. He's won a World Championship. You know, his only focus this year was to get on that team because he didn't want his career slipping away without being a Ryder Cup player. It's a very special team, you know, um, you're only one of 12 people in the whole of Europe on a team. Um, and that that's a real uh, feather in your cap. Uh, if, if you're just tuning into the hard shoulder, Des Smith is my guest for the Thursday interview this week. I, I, I asked, you know, when golf came on your radar in a serious way, when was that? At what point did you think, God, you know what, this, this pastime could become a job? Yeah, I suppose, I well, I, I started, came through all the ranks, you know, played junior golf and senior golf for the club and then interprovincial. And then, of course, one of my proudest moments was when I played for Ireland. You put the, the green jersey on and it means a lot. And that's why I always have a bit of a beef with people who say, um, oh, golf's a selfish game, you know. I, I don't buy into that at all. My whole memory of golf when I was a young man was playing on teams club teams, interprovincial teams, Irish teams. And of course, the, the ultimate team is the Ryder Cup team. And because we had Harry Bradshaw, Jimmy Martin, Christy O'Connor Sr., loads of these guys to look up to. I always remember watching Christy playing on the Ryder Cup in the black and white and thinking, wow, I would just love to be on a team like that. So yeah, it was always on my radar. I didn't realize I was going to get so much... Uh, enjoyment out, out of it because not only playing on the team twice but then being on the other side vice captain twice was it was so exciting and it was a real proud moment for me if you had not made it at golf what would you have done oh that's a great question <laughs> yeah i don't really know i i i was interested in doing accountancy at one stage my dad had a business in drahada he had a butcher shop and a stone slaughter yard he had a couple of shops I was thinking maybe I could take it over and upgrade it and all that. But anyway, I got the bug and I was good enough at the time. And uh, I pursued the, the career and uh, thankfully it turned out OK. Would you have been sporty in a general sense growing up? Oh, I was, yeah. No, I played Gaelic football for the Christian Brothers in Drogheda. Um, I don't mind saying it. I was a pretty good footballer. I played on a soccer team as well. Uh, played a lot of tennis. Yeah, no, I was I was a sporty guy. My whole family were. Uh, but, I mean, in terms of priority, at what age did, did golf take over from those other sports? Uh, I think I fell in love with the game early on. You know, I, I, I played all the other sports right up until I was about 17 years of age. But by then, I was um, 17. I think I was scratcher plus one. You know, I was playing for Leinster uh, Interprovincial. You know, that's a very high standard. Uh, I played on the Irish international team when I was 19. Now, I know kids are doing it younger now, but in those days, um, teenagers didn't really make the Irish international team very often. Mm. 
And I do remember I was only one of 12 players in uh, Britain and Ireland to be a plus one handicapper uh, when I was about 19. So I knew, and I'd fallen in love with the game. I was totally obsessed. I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, how far uh, down the road, oh, sorry, I, I, how far down yeah. the road did you go, though, to pursuing other... I mean, you talked about uh, uh, training to be an accountant. I mean, did you actually apply for any jobs? Did you, oh, I did. Did you go I that far? Oh, you did? did? Oh, I did, and got an interview and sat in front of a panel and had all my leaving results there, and they wanted me to joined the company and do, I forget the name of the course, you worked in the company and you did the course at night. And I do remember, I said this, I've got a few occasions sitting in front of the panel. It was in uh, July, it was very warm, the sun was shining. I could see all those swallows flying outside and there was a bit of sweat coming down my brow and I thought, no, this isn't for me. (laughs) I kind of made my decision then. It was a risk back then, I can tell you, Kieran, because there was very little money there was practically no sponsorship and there was no there was no Team Ireland or Sport yeah. Ireland or any of that support. So, yeah, yeah, it was a big decision and I took on a bank loan and that's how I started. Yeah, it's funny because I remember I would have been out. I remember watching the, the Carol's Irish Open of the Murphys in Mount Juliet when I was a kid. And when did they play a few in Mount Juliet? 94, 95, 96, around then. And, yeah. I, and I, I still remember, I suppose, some of the... the the lower ranked players on the European tour back then turning up in kind of camper vans, you know, even by then, they, well, they, still, they, they were just, they were really struggling to get by, you know. Yeah, well, and, Kieran, they're still, they're still there. <laughs> I mean, this guy's out there, if it wasn't for the support of Team Ireland Golf and all that, uh, they'd be, you know, they're scratching around because there's guys out there on the Alps tour, there's a Euro Pro tour. Yeah. And they have to come through those tests before they get to the Challenge Tour, which is the second tour in Europe. It's a mightily competitive tour. If you can get off that onto the main tour, you're ready to win. Yeah. Because you've come through all those other areas where you had to beat what what was there. So that proved the type of player you are. No, it's still like that today. But it, but but they're just playing on on those lower tours. Is that it? They're on the lower to, tours, uh, but the failure rate is still very high. Yeah, like it, it is a difficult old sport. And then I suppose the difference is if you get on that European tour or, God, if you get on the PGA tour, I mean, you know, without being crass about it, you're quids in. Yeah, you are, assuming you can stay there. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, it's expensive. Your running costs are high um, and they're every week. And every time you miss a cut, it's not like the professional football or other sports where if you're on the squad, you're getting paid. You know, you turn up for a golf tournament. If you don't make the cut, you don't get anything. You pack your bags and you leave and you're down two grand or yeah. depending on how far away you have to travel, it might be two and a half or three. And that's weekly. So And how difficult how difficult money. did you find that? I mean, in the early days. I mean, how 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 stretched were you financially? Oh, I was pretty stretched, yeah. But um I was a bit of a gambler too, so I used to punt on the golf course, not not on horses or or anything like that, but just I I, I backed myself on the golf course in matches and that helped provide a, a bit of income as in with a, I, you'd go to a bookies or you'd no no the I'd, players I'd, or? Gamble, I'd gamble with guys who fancied they could beat me oh right oh sorry so uh, you're like a pool shark but a golf shark oh yes oh yes oh yes i did a bit of that at the beginning oh wow yeah. okay and and yeah. that like to, to the extent that it helped pay the bills oh it certainly did yeah 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 it was, it was hard to find that the punters mind you there was more of them around then than there are now believe it or not 
And had you, how do you a routine, Des? Did you stand up kind of in the practice ground and shank a few balls out into the pond or something? No, and... no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't <laughs> pretending. I wasn't. No, I told them exactly where I was coming from. I challenged them and, and they fancied playing for a bit of money. So that's how I, I kind of subsidized myself a bit that way. But that was only until I improved and, and found myself getting better. And then once you get out on tour and you get better and you're making regular cuts and regular mm. money it, you know and then of course when you when you win a tournament you've you've really jumped a hump assuming you race on you have to keep looking for improvement so that you can maintain your standard and and get to be a Ryder Cup player yeah and listen you you did twice and then the vice captain and you did you went several times the European tour over I think four yeah. was it over four decades was that your claim to fame yeah yeah, yeah I did yeah. I won over four yeah, one of yeah no, I well, one of my claims to fame is my longevity out, out there. I played right up until I was fifty years of age. Yeah, and then I I transitioned to the Champions Tour in America for six years. And and I mean, looking back now in retirement, and I I assume you're happy in retirement. I mean, how do you sum up your career? Are you happy with it? Are there regrets that you have? Ah, look, I'm very happy where I am now. Uh, but of course, I wish I, I I came second and third in an Irish Open. That that as they say, was tough. I wanted to win it. Um, I came within two shots of winning the Open Championship. Um, and I was beaten at a playoff for the PGA Championship at Wentworth. So, yeah, you have regrets. I wish I'd jumped a few more hurdles like that. Um, but look, I went on, I kept playing, I kept competing and I kept making money and, you know, I was quite happy in the end. And I, I said, kind of the nature of humanity. Do, do those regrets begin to dim over time? They're probably you probably feel them more acutely. No, no, just no, as you retire. No, 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 no. I, I have a few friends. I have a few drinks with, and 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 the more I drink, the better I was. Oh, <laughs> you don't get no, maudlin no. then, do you, Des? No, I don't. No, 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 no. So look, <laughs> you have to accept that, that we're all moving down the road now. No, I just look back with fond memories. I met wonderful people along the way, on and off the golf course. And that was something that was special about golf. You meet lots of great people. Yeah, and listen, I hope you enjoy the next few days then, Des. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's been a blast and I'll be cheering on Europe. Yeah, welded to the sofa, as Des says he will be from uh, tomorrow right through until Sunday. Des Smith, who of course played twice in the Ryder Cup, a former Ryder Cup vice-captain. And he won eight times the European Tour over a four-decade span. No less, Des, an absolute pleasure to speak to you. And like I said, enjoy the next few days. That's our lot for today's edition of The Hard Shoulder. Off the ball there up next, plenty of Ryder Cup previews you can expect. And I'll be back tomorrow from four. Have a good one.